Hey family, I want to start by blessing you again, blessing you this morning. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully this morning. I bless you to know the, the help and the guidance of God. I, I bless you to, to experience uh, the breakthroughs that you're seeking in, in your life. I, I bless you to be healed in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. And may the love of Jesus, may his love, his joy, his peace, his hope overflow inside your heart. Maybe you feel those feelings uh, very powerfully during this time. And in Jesus' name, may it be, may it be, family. I don't know if you've been uh, tuning in to these 8 and 8 uh, prayer calls. I've been loving them. Uh, we've been dialing in in the mornings. Uh, if, I, I know that many of you have been doing that. If not, do take advantage of that. Twice in the mornings this week, Psalm 16 came up. Shout out to Alan Meldrum and to Kelly Ingraham. Uh, but they came up twice. And, and, and there was this verse that kept capturing my, my eye when it was connected, and it was connected to this series. Um, David is writing. And as you know, David lived in different parts of the land. He, he lived in many of these regions that we've been talking about. And he wrote this in Psalm 16:6. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I mean, if you've not read David's story, um, that may not be your first thought when you read the difficulties of his life. But the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I have a beautiful inheritance. I, I, I read that, I'm like, wow, that is great perspective. That is, that is focusing on what we're talking about here in this series. That we've seen that in every region there's beautiful aspects. There's wonderful, good aspects in every region of the promised land, but there's also challenges. There's also anxieties. There's also threats. And David, although he lightly references it near the end of Psalm 16, he is transfixed with praising God for the goodness, the beauty in his life. And, and as we're going through this series entitled the Bible land and biblical faith, I'm hoping that you're thinking that way. As we're talking about what it is to live where God has placed us, uh, thankful, living where we've been placed, seeing the goodness of God in our lives. And yes, we understand there's, there's things that make us anxious and, and there's some awful things in our lives, but I don't want us to stop seeing the good. And I don't want our hearts to stop being thankful. So we're, we're learning about the promised land, and, and part of living by faith is not forgetting to praise God for the good that's there. Today we're going to be talking about a, another part, another region of the Bible land, and it's called the Shephelah. The Shephelah. Now, that is a funny word. So I want you to look at the people around you, and I want you to say Shephelah, Shephelah. Shafila, Shafila, right? Shafila. I can't tell if people are doing it because they're wearing masks, as is appropriate. Uh, Shafila. It, it's weird. It's funny. I get it. Uh, it, is, it means lowlands or, or hill country. Lowlands or hill country. And as you can see on our map here, it's situated between the hill country, which we talked about last week, which is all the hills. It's very hard to navigate, a very safe and peaceful place up there in the hill country. And the Philistine coastal plain, 
which is flat, and it's where the, the uh, empire road go, goes. It's where the enemies of God's people, the Philistines, live in that, that area. Well, the, the Shephelah is right in between. Now, I'm going to mispronounce it as I go through this. It's pronounced Shephelah. Shephelah. Um, how I'm going to probably pronounce it sometimes is Shephelah, because that's how I first heard it. That's so wrong. Uh, or Shephelah. That's also wrong. Shephelah. Okay, that's, that's, there we go. That's super fun. Anyways, the Shephelah. This is the place where God's people encounter those who live differently from them. The Shephelah is the place where God's people encounter those who have different values than what they have. The, the Shephelah is the place where they often find they are treated hostily. Hostily, or it may be in what, what is spoken or there's threat there, there's danger there, there's aggression there. It's often a place of conflict. Conflict with people who think or value different things. If you're new to the Bible, we're, we're talking about the Philistines here. The Philistines were a very strong local enemy of, of Israel from the time that Israel moved into the land. They're there and they're there all the way through the Old Testament. And they, they get completely eradicated in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Nearly wiped out in the invasions um, near the end of the Old Testament. But they end up getting completely uh, eradicated before Rome sweeps in. Um, just a fun fact for you about the Philistines, although they were completely eradicated between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, when, when the, when the uh, Romans were in conflict with the Jewish people, it got worse after Jesus' day. So uh, Jesus uh, raised from the dead, a great victory. Uh, the book of Acts, all of that happens. And then after the book of Acts, the Jewish people as a nation there in the land revolt against Rome twice. Once around 70 A.D. and then once around 135 A.D. And the Romans were so angry and frustrated that, uh, that, that these Jewish people just would not get in line that they, they just came in and just crushed them in 135 A.D. And they renamed the land. And they chose the name that would be the most insulting to them. And they renamed the promised land by the name of their ancient enemies. And so they renamed it Philistine land. Philistine, which is Palestine. Palestine, Philistine. That's where the name comes from. It, is me it was meant to be the strongest insult of a name to, to God's people. Uh, just, they're so tickled. Anyway, that's free. Um, <clears throat> by the way, if you're in the promised land and you want to call it the most neutral and positive, most people can agree that this is a fine name to call it. You want to call it the Holy Land. That's the least offensive term for the land if you're there. Anyways, we're talking about the Shvila. The Shvila. And we're going to start with the good today, the beauty of the place, the, the wonderful perks uh, of living in the lowlands, the foothills of the Shephelah. So as you can see here on this picture, it is much, much better when it comes to food. It's got amazing food. It's got amazing water. The closer you get to the coastal plain where the Philistines live, the closer, the more flat the land is and the better the farming. The Philistines have the best farming land. That whole plain is extraordinary. It is the best and it's not even close. But there's about five or six valleys that, that go in from the Philistine plain into the promised land. And those valleys just have this, uh, this they're just amazing for growing food. Okay, very, very amazing. So you've got, you've got this, this uh, 
this area, the Shafila, is shoved between the hill country, which runs 60 days short of food. We talked about that last week. And the Philistine land, which is just an abundance, abundance of food. So it's got a bunch of valleys. Here's, here's a picture of the valley. Uh, the Sorek Valley is the next one. The Sorek Valley comes in from the coastal plain, just like the other ones do. Great for food. The valley names kind of from north to south. You've got Ailon, but we would, you'd probably read it as Ijalon. Ijalon. Um, Ailon is the J is a Y sound. Ailon. Uh, then you've got the Sorek Valley. And then you've got the Ela Valley, and then to a lesser extent, the Guvreen Valley, and then further down south, the, the Lakish, which we'd say Lakish Valley. Uh, the, the great valleys that kind of go in, great for food, but ripe for conflict. Ripe for conflict. Let me show you how the area works on this, this map. It's a little bit more of a high-res detailed map than, than what I've been showing before. This is from Bible Backgrounds, one of their maps. And I've kind of drawn on it how it works. Now... The green line, the green line, what is that? That's, we've talked about the green line. In this map, it's a mistake. I know. I, I, I put it in the wrong place. I know, gasp. Nobody's more surprised that I made a mistake than Kelly. So yes, there's a green line in there. Um, the actual main empire line divides into two in this part of the area, and I've made it now yellow. So that, the yellow line is the real empire lines, and they would just choose you know, seasonally, what was the better route to, to go up through this area. That's where all the money flows, the, tr the empire riches from Egypt to Babylon and Assyria and, and everything like that. That's the main road. If you're on that road, you've got money, you get the taxes from all of the travel, and, and, that, and that's it. So that's, a, that's in, in, uh, on the coast. The green line, we're going to see it the whole time, and the yellow lines are going to disappear. It won't matter today. Well, green line starts right down below and it ends right up at the top, but you know, okay, that's, that's fun. I made a mistake. Okay, well, we're, we're going to keep going. The, there's uh, five red boxes on the map, and those are the five Philistine fortress cities. That is, that is where they are located, and you can see strategically, they've got the plain. They've got the best land, and they've got the empire riches. They've got the gold going up and forth. They've got all of the tax. They've got everything when it comes to money and food, and, and there are strong people in these five fortress cities. I, I drew a red line there on the map. The red line is the approximate border between Philistine land and, and, and God's people, the, the, the promised land, and that's in the Shephelah. It's right at the edge of the Shephelah. It, it, it moves around a little bit depending on the most recent conflict, but that's basically the, the, the border there. And, and, so, and then you've got the fortress cities in blue, the, Jew, the Jewish fortress cities, the, the strong cities that are protecting from invasion. Now, I talked about these different uh, valleys that come in. So you've got, I, I, I did the, the most important ones, the top three in purple there. The, the top three in purple. And, and those valleys, that's where the food is. But also, in the foothills, and only in the foothills, that's also where the armies would invade. They would come in through these valleys, and then they would go up onto the ridge routes as they got into the land. But these are the entry points, which is why you have these fortress cities strategically placed right at these, these valleys. The only other thing that I want to point out on, on this map here is there, is there is one city that's squared in green, Gezer. And it's up near the top-ish of the map. Gezer. That was Egypt. Egypt had that city. 
they actually had a few cities along this strategic route to protect their interests. It's an extremely strong fortress city. They have it from Joshua's day all the way past David's day. It's their city. The, you know, all, the, all you know about King David and his mighty victories, he doesn't take Gezer. That's, that's Egypt, and that's, that stays there. Anyways, so Egypt's got that place. Okay, again, the Shephelah. The Shephelah is that place where, where God's people come into, con, uh, come into contact with the ungodly. It, it's the place where they come into contact with those who are hostile to them. It's often, often, often a place of conflict, but not always. But often. But not always. But often. I'm going to give you a few stories in the Bible of, of, the, of some conflicts here in the Shephelah. Um, and we're going to be going through, I'm going to give you an example from each of these three valleys, uh, these three purple valleys. We're going to go from north to south. And also I'm going to tell these stories because there's so many of them. I just decided to tell them in chronological order because, because it's, it's doable in this case. The first story is in the North Valley, Ilon Valley, or Aijalon Valley, with this fortress um, by the name of the same name, Ilon. Ilon. And so we're up here in this northern valley here. Here's a picture of the valley. Um, so many stories, so many stories talk about the valley of Ilon because this is the most strategic and important of all the valleys in the Shephelah. Because this one gives the armies access to the Benjamin Plateau. And, that, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. Remember the Benjamin Plateau? How it's the most strategic highland, highland center plateau of the nation. And if you take that, then you can go north and south, up and down that north-south road. And, and you've got the land if you've got that. So this, the Ilon Valley is the way to get to that for the invading armies. And so very often you read stories of the armies coming in that way. And they, they might not say the Ilon Valley. They might say um, Kiriath Yaharim or Jaharim. They might, they might talk about other towns on this route, but it's the same road, it's the same way. And then, and the, uh, and then you see God's people pushing the, foreigner, the, the, the enemies out of the land through the Ilon Valley. Here's an example from the days of Joshua. Joshua, he's talking about pushing people out of the land, and he tells the story of when he asked the sun to stand still, when he commands the sun to stand still. And, and uh, let me just read for you what it says. It says, on the, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel. He said, sun, stand still over Gibeon. Where's Gibeon? It's the best city on the most strategic plateau. Gibeon, and moon over the valley of Ayalon, this valley here. And so the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took its vengeance on the enemies. And you, you read about the, during that day, the, that very long day, the, ar the armies being driven out, the enemy armies being driven off the plateau through the Ayalon valley and then out onto the plain and beyond, like just pushed way away, a huge victory. Again, I could tell so many different stories of, of that, of, of how this, this uh, valley was just full of conflict, but uh, it is definitely the main conflict valley because it's the most important um, strategic way to guard the entrance to the land. So that's the Ailon Valley. Uh, the next valley is the next one down in chronological order. It's the Sorek Valley. I remember the names of these because it, if you take the first letter of each of these first three, it does not spell ace. But it sounds like it could. 
Ailan, Sorek, and then Ela. It's like, okay, that kind of is close enough to ace for my memory. So, so I don't spell good anyways, so it works for me. I don't know whatever works for you. So we got the Sorek Valley next. And this is where the Samson stories take place. The conflict there with Samson. So Samson lives where the yellow circle is on the, on the God's people side, the promised land side of the red line. And he gets engaged and he pleads with his parents to get engaged to this woman from Timnah, which is the yellow circle on the, just on the other side of the line. They live very, they're, they're pretty close together here uh, on the same ridge. And, and this is not Delilah. This is well before Delilah. This is his, his first Philistine love interest. And, and so he goes down there and there, there's, there's, a, there's a story there, lots of story there about, you know, lion and eating food and all that kind of honey out of, all that sort of story. And, but it doesn't go well. And Samson ends up angry. He's got an anger problem, and he goes out and he rages and he burns the Philistine foods in the Sorek Valley here. And here's a picture of the, the Sorek Valley. Uh, but just this, all this food in this plain, actually, just fun fact as you're looking at this picture, you can see the ridge there. It's got like kind of three bumps on, from left to right. Right between the second and the third on that ridge is where Samson's town was, and then his fiance's town is off to the left of the off the left of the picture, up on that same ridge up there. But but anyways, uh, big conflict moment here, and 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 this is where the Samson's Samson conflicts take place here in this in this valley. Another random moment that I want to say: this picture is taken from Beth Shemesh, and now this is an aerial picture here of Beth Shemesh from above. This is the fortress city that guards this valley. And I think the main, the main thing I want to, the main story I want to say about Beth Shemesh is, remember the story, it's actually in 1 Samuel, very beginning of 1 Samuel, when the Philistines are victorious and they steal, that's the wrong word, they capture the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and then plagues break out everywhere it goes and the Philistines decide to send it back. Well, they stick it on an ox cart, and that goes straight here to Beth Shemesh, right here at the, the fortress city of this valley. And actually, the people mess up. They look inside the ark, and a bunch of them die, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the reason why I want to remind you of this particular story when it comes to Beth Shemesh is because, yes, the, the Shephelah is often a place of conflict, okay? It's often a place of conflict, but it's also the main place for making peace. It's often a place of conflict, but it's also the main place for making peace with your enemies. And that's important. That's important for us to, to tuck away as we continue with this study. Conflict, but also peacemaking. The final valley that we're going to talk about starts with an E because ace, but not ace, but ace. Uh, Elah Valley. Uh, can you remember a very important Philistine invasion, a very famous one that takes place here in the Elah Valley? Well, uh, first a picture. Here is the Elah Valley. Again, very, uh, very full of I don't know, very fertile, and, and the, the coastal goodness is coming in towards the promised land here in this area. The invasion story takes place here that I'm telling, takes place between Saul, King Saul, and the Philistines. They invade in this direction, and it's in this valley right here where a massive Philistine steps forward by the name of Goliath. 
And he starts taunting and, and ridiculing the, the weak armies of the living God. And, and a shepherd boy, a, a boy who's not old enough to be in the army, is bringing food to his older brothers and to the, their commander. And he hears this taunting and he ends up stepping forward. And he goes to the brook, which is here in the Elah Valley. I think there's a picture here of it. Uh, he goes to the brook. And he picks up five smooth stones, yes, from this brook. That's, that's where it is. In fact, there's a class here also taking smooth stones. And, and of course, this has happened throughout the centuries. And yes, they keep restocking this stream, this, the, the brook with more and more smooth stones. Because uh, souvenirs, I guess. They keep dumping it in every season. So, so yeah, but, but here we go. We're getting, we're, they, we've got future giant killer wannabes here, and they're taking their smooth stones. Um, if you're ever there, I would. I would take one if, if I was you. But, but anyways, enough about the restocking of smooth stones. So he takes a smooth stone, and five of them, and he goes and he slays uh, Goliath, and the Philistines flee out of the Elah Valley. Huge victory for God's people, and um, they go back to their fortress cities. Okay, so these are some examples of conflict that were very common in the Shephelah throughout throughout the years. Uh, They're beautiful valleys, they're very fertile valleys, but they're places of such intense fighting and and conflict. I want to make one more random note. Think about the significance of this gift. On the map here, I said that there was one city that was in green, Gezer up north, and here I've circled it in blue. And the, the story behind that, in the, the Bible makes it very clear. Solomon made peace with Egypt. How did he make peace with Egypt? He married the princess of Egypt. That's how he made peace between their nations. And as a wedding gift, and this is a royal gift, Pharaoh gave Solomon that city, Gezer. I mean, look at how strategic it is. I know that that's the fictional green line, but still, the green and the yellow line at that point in the map are the same. That is, that is the right place right there. It is right on the north-south trade route. It is the city that protects that trade routes and that trade routes I- interests as Pharaoh knew. Like, that's why Egypt maintained it throughout all the centuries. Uh, and, and it's also right on the plain with all the, uh, all the fields. I mean, here's an aerial view of Gezer from, from the top. You can see just the, the, the hill there, this big massive um, fortress city hill and then all the sprawling field that it is it is an extraordinary an extraordinary gift from Pharaoh as, as Solomon set out to make peace with Egypt he, he gets this amazing gift I just want to reiterate that when Solomon made peace with Pharaoh peace prosperity greater influence in, 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 that, in the world at that time, goodness, more and more goodness came to him because he made peace and it brought peace to the Shephelah. It brought peace and prosperity to the Shephelah. When it comes to our faith lesson for today, I want you to ask yourselves, where in your life are the Shephelah aspects? Where in your life are is the Shephelah. Where are the places in your life that are intersecting with people who don't know Jesus, who don't care about 
Jesus at all, who don't care about God or God's way or what the Bible says or, or what the Bible says about any topic that, that, that you care about. Where does your life intersect with those who, who don't care about honoring God's values uh, in right and wrong? I mean, Western culture in our generation is not trying to live with the culture of the Bible. Scotland is not trying as a nation to live with the culture of the Bible. So where are those specific places in your life, maybe specific people that your life is running, against, running up against where it's, it's a bit of the shafila? Where are the places in your life where, where you're surrounded by people who aren't, aren't godly? Where are the places where you're surrounded by potential conflict? Potential conflict, maybe in family, friends, uh, uh, co-workers, fellow classmates. I, I don't know. Where are the places where your life is intersecting where, with people who are hostile to you? Maybe you've got relationships that are a bit peaceful at times, but also then full of conflict at times. The Shafila places in your life are areas where your life and your values and your beliefs are often mocked, disdained, belittled, rejected by other people. Shafila places in your life are the places where peace is rare. And, and inescapable conflict keeps popping up. Shafila places in your life are, are where you're attacked just because you're there. Because you're different. Because you think differently. Because you value different things. Maybe because you follow Jesus. Maybe you just have a personality clash, maybe they're just extremely unhealthy and they, they dump all their unhealth over you and, 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 and your relationship. But it's where you're attacked for just for being there. The Shafila places in your life are where there's constant rub and irritation. Do you have those places? Can you identify uh, places and relationships and aspects of your life where, which are, are like the Shafila? There's an ancient Jewish blessing that, that has been spoken over Jewish people and to one another for ages and ages and ages. And it's, it's simple and it simply goes like this. May you have shalom in your shafila. May you have shalom in your shafila. May you have peace in those parts of your life that are so prone to conflict. May, may you have peace in, in the areas of your life where there's, where there's a mismatch of thinking and ideology. How, 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 do you, how do you cultivate peace in, in, in your life? How do you cultivate peace between uh, high-conflict people? Well, the Bible gives us a lot of instructions about how to live in a Shafila-like life because many of the Bible writers, like Paul himself, his whole life is like a Shafila. He's in prisons and riots and, and, and you know, people are beating him and, and stoning him. And, and, and his life is like Shafila moment in the most extreme ways. Well, he tells us how to live in, in a way where we're trying to make peace in whatever our Shafila places are. And he says this in Romans chapter 12. He says in verse 18, if possible, this is Paul's instructions to people who want to bring peace into the Shafila. As far as it depends on you, it's not always going to be possible, but from your side of things, as Paul knows, it's not always possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Again, this is coming from Paul, who knows conflict. He's not avoiding conflict, but, but he's directing us, if possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with all people. How do you do that? Well, Paul has lots of advice for how to do this. And, and, and in Romans 12, we see a lot of this. And in fact, we back up a few verses to, to verse 14. To verse 14, it, it's, it says, Bless those who persecute you. How do you, how do you deal with people who, you're, who are in perpetual conflict towards you and, and it's not even your fault maybe? You bless them. You bless those who persecute you. and You bless and do not curse. That's, that's, that's some of the how. You bless them. Then it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's not talking just about people who you like. The context is Shafila, the, the people that you were in conflict with, the people who, um, who are, are uh, aggressive towards you, who are, who are persecuting you is the context. You rejoice with them when they rejoice. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. How, how do you do this? Well, you don't be proud. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Those people are punks. You don't want to be that way. You're, you're, you're somebody else's Shafila if you're wise. And, um, that's off topic. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. This is how you go about living in a Shafila-like context, making peace. You do not repay anyone evil for evil. Instead, you give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes, even the Philistines' eyes, even the Romans' eyes, without compromising, but, but you try and do what's right. If possible, then here's the context of our verse before, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Continuing, friends, do not avenge yourself. This is the peacemaking way. Do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written by God himself. Vengeance belongs to me, says God. I will repay, says the Lord. But, again, here's more tips on how to cultivate peace in the Shephelah. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Your enemy. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. Like this is, this is everyday practical stuff in those rub areas, in those, in those annoying relationships, in those difficult relationships. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. I wouldn't add that line if you're saying, why are you feeding me? Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I can't think of anybody more experienced living in the Shephelah than, than Paul the Apostle. And this is his instructions. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And so my, my encouragement for you is if there is conflict in your life, try and calm it down. Like this. Try and calm it down as far as you can. Don't repay evil with evil, but instead conquer evil with apathy and ignoring it. No. Don't ignore it. Conquer it with good, not tolerant. Not tolerance. Not just, just letting it happen. You conquer evil by active goodness. Guys, there's such reward when it comes to making peace. 
There's such reward. In the Shephelah, in the years of peace, it was the years of prosperity. The fields had so much food and, 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 and people could live and, and, and enjoy life in, in the years of peace. And when Solomon made peace, then, then he was able to thrive and, and, at such a huge scale, to thrive, thrive, thrive because of the gifts that came to him because he'd made peace with, with, with Egypt. Uh, there is such goodness in making peace as much as you can without compromising uh, your faith, without compromising your walk with God. There is such goodness in making peace in those Shephelah areas of your life. Jesus says it this way when it comes to life. He says, blessed are the makers of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who make peace. For they will be called children of God. Children of God. You want to live as God's children live? Then we are makers of peace. That's what we do in the Shephelah, in these areas of, of, of conflict. May you have peace. May you have shalom in your Shephelah. May you have shalom in your Shephelah. And may that peace bring about the goodness of God and the blessing of God in your life. Here's my challenge for you today. What three practical things, three practical things, what three practical things can you do in order to conquer evil with good in your areas of conflict? What three practical things can you do in order to conquer evil with active goodness in your areas of conflict? Let me pray for you. First of all, Spirit of the living God, come and fill every one of us who's listening now or any time in the future with peace in our, in our inmost beings. A peace that surpasses understanding, a peace, a calm, just a peace with your presence and your closeness. Holy Spirit, come with your peace. And now, Jesus, we, we are confronted with the, the mandate, the mission to be makers of peace. To be active makers of peace in the areas of natural conflict and, and agitation. God, I pray that you would give us great ideas. Great ideas in how to overcome evil with good in our context, in each of our contexts. I pray that you would give us clarity on how we can go about making peace. And would you help us? Would you help every single person who steps forward to try and make peace in their shafila, make peace in their areas of conflict, that you would help every single person uh, accomplish just that, bringing peace even in, in long-term areas of conflict. We look to you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.